2: Welcome back to another episode of the Women in Gridiron Show. This is season two, episode three. And this week we've got some exciting news. And actually, it lines up with our listener question this week. We have a new panellist joining us, giving her expert commentary and analysis of all things deep in the trenches on the O-line. I really want to welcome Nat Jones to the podcast. And the question this week was, when will we be featuring some big dogs on the podcast? And here we are, signed, sealed, and delivered. Thank you, at ManuX67. Now, Nat, since you're going to be with us uh, for a little while, we hope, uh, we're going to deep dive into you and your position a, a, in a later episode, but because this week we're all about rounding off the playoff teams in Gridiron West, and this week we've got our special guest, Kelly Hopkins from the Perth Broncos. This is going to be a cracker episode, guys, so let's get into it. Welcome, Kelly, to the Women in Gridiron show.
1: Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: We're going to just jump straight into the huddle. Um, with the Perks Broncos. Let's get into it.
0: Leave no regrets out there.
1: That is what a real champion is made of.
2: We hit.
0: <laughs> is
1: that all you got? If you think it's only a man's
0: game.
2: Well, well. you're sadly mistaken.
1: <clears throat> oh, Sammy, go!
2: a go! Football is the exact opposite.
1: Three, two, five, go!
0: Women
2: can be aggressive. They can be physical. Woo!
1: Down no! play like football!
2: All right, tonight it is all about the Perth Broncos. Now, the Broncos are one of the oldest clubs in GW. And, Kelly, you're a woman, a woman of many, many hats at the Broncos. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your journey with the team so far?
3: Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. So when I moved to WA from Queensland, um, there was no league here. So I initially got in contact with Kev Wilson, through a mutual friend in Queensland, um, Got appointed as the women's director and started dating actually someone from the Perth Broncos. Um, So that's how I sort of ended up at the Broncos. Um, I guess was instrumental in helping the Broncos get their side together. Uh, I guess I coached in an unofficial capacity in our first season um, and have captained the side for the three years prior to becoming the head coach. Uh, And then I became the head coach last season and I'm the head coach now. And then after my first year with the club, I became the president for three seasons, Um, but I've stepped down from both roles as the women's director and the president, and my sole responsibility at the moment is head coaching, which is more than enough. Oh
2: yes definitely and you know what I think so unique about your club is the amount of women you have in roles you know you were being the club president your head coach you had a staff of female coaches and as one point really championing the equity of women in your club talk us about how you engineered kind of getting women into those positions and if you came up against any resistance from from any of the clubs or the board members.
3: Uh, so I think um, when I sort of took over the role of the presidency, we had a few uh, like girlfriends that were on the committee and secretarial roles and things like that. Um, and then, yeah, it sort of just, I guess, progressed from there. the men were really happy when the women's side sort of came into the club. We do so much sort of off the field. Um, and then, yeah, it just grew from that to our accountant, our marketing director being women, Uh, and then yeah when I was the head coach I had two females on my staff Um, unfortunately this season I I'm the only one on my staff that is a female but we still have our uh, vice president and marketing director on the committee now that are women so I don't think at a club level there were ever any sort of issues that we faced I think the men see like the benefit that we bring and are happy to kind of step back and let us do a lot so I guess it was it was
1: easier than expected how did you find the transition going from player to coach was that difficult or was that always a plan for you to step into that role once you came into the back end of your career uh I think it's just uh
3: me as a human um in my second year playing I did my ACL in the second game but remained at practice, like every single practice and sort of started coaching then, even though I knew very, very, very little um, and still do. But, you know, I started coaching then when I was injured and was just a sideline, you know, cheer squad, I guess, which started it. Then when I came here, I was the only person in the state that had played full contact American football. So it just made sense that, you know, I would the team I predominantly help defense having been an offensive player um and I played a bit of defense when I toured over to Melbourne to play a couple games um so I don't know it's just a natural progression I guess it's just me <laughs> I can't I can't sit by and and not <laughs> Kelly, um, with
4: your, you're saying, you know, initially you didn't know a whole lot. I know that um, sometimes a lack of belief um, in uh, female players of their knowledge or their game knowledge sometimes, you know, holds them back from taking on these roles. I mean, you've obviously been very brave and stepped in when perhaps you weren't so ready, but how did you, um, how did you step up? How did you get that knowledge base to be comfortable in those roles now?
3: Um, To be a little cliche, I have to give a lot of Uh, credit to my ex, uh, Damien Donaldson, or most people in the community know him as Bluey. He's a phenomenal footballer, has played semi-professionally, outback captain, world team, et cetera. But his football IQ is through the roof. And we talk football all the time. You know, to to this day, you know, we're no longer together in a relationship, but we have a very strong football relationship. Um, And, you know, his knowledge passed on to me in copious amounts. Um, my trip to Germany as well, although I didn't learn a lot from my side that I played with in terms of the women's side, uh, I was fortunate enough to help in the, the men's coaching capacity and um, the head coach over there of their GFL2 team, uh, David Saul, was also extremely influential in the way that I coach now. Um, just watching him in his game day prep, the way he managed his sideline. You know, before I went to Germany, I never did a call-out pregame. Now every game I do call-out before we start anything. So everyone knows where they're playing and what your backups are and all those sort of things. So, you know, it's just the people around you. Unfortunately, in this country, you don't always have the people around you that have that IQ that you can learn from, but there's so many podcasts out there. There's so much online. Like I spend so much time listening to football podcasts, you know, okay, how, how do you run power? You listen to that and then you're like, okay, how can I adapt that to nine-a-side football? Like there's just so much information out there that you can read and learn if you want to be an expert in craft. There's nothing stopping you but you.
2: That's exactly right. And I think that that's a theme, you know, in our intro even. And, I mean, I have to tip my hat to you because, you know, I dabbled in the player-coach role myself and holy balls, it is really, really hard. Like, what, what are your tips and, and keys, I guess, to managing that whole situation?
3: Uh, go to therapy. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> so, like, you know, the, the, the way that I am now as an athlete versus the way that I was two years ago, I, I I don't know if I can swear, but I'm going to. I lost my shit yesterday, you know, in our first half, and that was a glimpse at old Kelly. Um, which I didn't like. So you got to be able to manage your own brain first before you have to worry about your players. If you can't remain calm, you, you can't communicate effectively, then your players are going to lose their minds. And, you know, I, I suffer with that so much. And just being able to think clearly under pressure is so difficult. And, you know, I didn't have to play call last season, but I'm offensive play call, I'm defensive play call. I'm, I'm it this year. and it's really tough the amount of times I get my personnel wrong on the field and I'm trying to run a play with the wrong personnel like I do it every single game um so I don't know it's tough but you just gotta like keep your head remain calm I I can say it but I am not a great example of it
1: so I don't know that's the key though I think Speaking of the players on the field, have you found that they've accepted and received you well as a head coach and a player alongside them? Like has that been a difficult relationship to have with them to go from being the head coach to being on the field with them?
3: Um, I don't think so because I've always been a player on that team um, and I've always been there. Uh, You know, I don't cop any sort of, you know, I don't even... It's. It doesn't become a question of whether there's no, I guess respect that I'm going to be teaching you. They they see that I know what I'm talking about. We've had this season. We had a little sit down chat, and I was like, "What do you guys want? Do you guys want to win a championship? Because I'll teach you all the football, or, or here you want to have fun and we'll you know take I'll take my foot off the the crazy." pedal if, if so to speak so you know and they were like we want to win championships and I was like okay well this is how we do it and we're going to be disciplined and I'm going to keep yelling at you and there's no I know my players well enough that I know if they need a soft touch or if they need a a hard touch and I think a great coach knows their place and and that's what's important
2: yeah definitely and I mean let's let, let's deep dive I guess a little bit into your roster because You know, we've we've been able to watch quite a few of your games, which is such a luxury um, because you guys have gone so well in having them live streamed. And it's such amazing to see. But, you know, I really wanted to call out a couple of players in particular, your quarterback and your running back. They are exceptional um, and your tight ends too. tell us about those guys.
3: Yeah. So let's start with our QB number 35. So last season we split time at QB um, with myself and, and Struth, uh, Laura St. Ruth, but more commonly known as Struth. Um, So she took over the quarterback role this year, much to her displeasure. She's a defensive player at heart. And and if I played offense, she played defense last year. And then if she played, you know, the other way, vice versa. So, to have her snaps defense and unfortunately she's had about five total this season which is not her favorite but she's just an athlete um you mm-hmm. know the biggest thing with nine side football is put athletes out on the field and we play a little bit like high school football right you put your your best athlete at Q um, and let them run around so that's kind of our philosophy with our quarterback they have to be mobile and if they can develop the pass game good um, you know the other thing i need is a is someone that understands the game and understands sort of how to communicate with me and what I'm saying. Um, and not only is uh, Struth and I, you know, QB head coach, we're best mates and we live together. So football never really stops. And she cops a lot and she probably um, thankfully is a pretty good human because she cops uh, the hardest out of everyone on the team. I expect a lot from her. And when she doesn't deliver, you know, I do let her know. So 35, yeah, a bit of a beast. Um, Number 27, Jess. So she's been in our team since we started and she's developed into a really, really good back, but also a fantastic linebacker. Uh, So she is also phenomenal for our team. And 26, uh, Destiny moving to the tight end spot. She's originally an offensive lineman, went and played footy for a season, got fast, got hands, you know, dropped a bit of weight and was like, I want to play tight end. I was like, yeah, get it, girl. She's gone out, she's caught balls and... Her progress over the season is phenomenal. Um, you know, she's got to be up there in our top three scorers um, and all passing touchdowns, which is fantastic for our squad. I think, you know, like um, making use of that tight end spot, no one ever seems to cover it. So having someone that can block and then go out and catch, uh, catch passes is fantastic. So it's a big part of our game.
2: Yeah, Nat, you're uh, you're on board with this offensive lineman to tight end conversion. Are we ever going to see you out there catching some balls?
0: Oh man, look, I've I've had a few snaps at tight end, and it was like the highlight of of my career. So um, I can 100 percent relate to that. And uh, hands off, uh, to, hats off to you, Kelly, for making that uh, lineman's dream come true. So uh, that's awesome.
2: And about your like your offensive philosophy I mean you guys run you know a pretty heavy run set and I mean the key to winning games is developing that run game right so you know in terms of like your offensive philosophy what was what was the view going into the season has it changed over the last couple of seasons given the athletes and how they've developed or have you always been like this is the style of football that I want to run and this is what we're going to work towards?
3: So over like the five years of the team, every sort of new season, we tr- we tried something different offensively. We've never had a large amount of success offensively. And we've always had issues at offensive line, whether it would be, you know, coaches sort of t- saying different things and players getting confused or the, the scheme being too confusing and things like that. So uh, when Bluey was the OC last year and I was the head coach, he was like, I was like, we need to make it basic, and we had a discussion. We went to a pin and pull system, so it was like, you know, there was one rule: if they're there, you down; if not there, you pull, and that's it. It's pin and pull, pin and pull, pin and pull, um, and that became like really successful for us because we knew exactly what the offensive line were doing. Um, it made it really simple, and we had two players last year. We had, you know, pin and pull, and we had inside run doubles, and. It was simple and I liked it and I was like, yep, we're going to keep it. Unfortunately, this season I've got one veteran offensive lineman um, and the rest are all rookies. So it's made it really difficult um, and we've tried to expand our offensive playbook a lot. Um, Time will tell whether that is to our detriment or not. We're still stuck with our pin and pull. We still like our five-man line, but... Our five-man line isn't effective against Rockingham, and they're the only team I'm trying to beat at the moment. So, you know, we played a bit of spread uh, last night, um, getting some outside zone going. So we've just got to spread them out. We can't load the box because people just load the box against us. And, and you know, when we don't block as well as their athletes can get off those blocks, um, it's just not effective. So... Yeah,
2: and talk us talk us about your defense. Like, what defensive philosophy have you been running with? That, like, are you sitting with a couple of schemes? You work a lot of men, You work a lot of zone. And you know your your D line's pretty. You know they're pretty dominant. Um, you know they they get in the backfield quite often. So talk us about that. I mean, coming from a defensive player yourself, I mean, is that your favorite kind of role to play? Is that is that the playbook that you love getting your your teeth
3: into? Um, honestly, no, because I think 9 side football doesn't allow you to be that adventurous in the defense. Um, You know, I think, I think every club here plays man coverage. Um, Our base is, you know, a cover three, but when it, when the passing game isn't um, what it used to be in this league, you know, cover three's not really as necessary anymore. So we've switched, you know, to a cover zero, which we ran last night. Um, And I think like, I like an aggressive defence. I like, um, you know, our rush end that's always in the backfield, number three, um, Jilly. So, you know, she's really developed over the year and, and last season. But I think, you know, defence is about less about scheme, in my opinion, and more about execution. You need to be a big dog. You need to go get off your block and make tackles. You need to hold on. You can't get trucked. You've got to, you know get down low and hold on to knees and, and outside contain right outside contain yeah exactly exactly sort so that out and, and be i think you know good. yeah exactly i think that's you know more key than anything else like if your people are standing in the right spot they know what their leverage is um and they know what their read is then it doesn't really matter what else happens they just got to make the tackle and if you're not making tackles then it doesn't matter if you were standing in the right spot
2: and we've spoken about you guys so many times on this podcast i mean you've done you know like i said you've got the live streaming up and happening you've got sponsors you know the 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 ads that you run during the game i mean the organization just seems so organized uh for lack of a better word but what's like what's the future for for the broncos like what more can you do i mean you've got the crash, you've got the live stream you've got you know your pride rounds you've got your indigenous rounds like what what's next like what is left to conquer
3: championships that's it in one word you know like all the stuff that we do off the field is great and it's amazing for for our club and it gives us great exposure and it it brings people to our club that maybe wouldn't have been there before um and I love that about our club I really do but at the end of the day we need rings and and that's what our football club needs to sort of make sure we're getting
2: all right Kel, I just wanted to chat briefly about the game from the weekend now the vipers are the team to beat and they got one up on you this weekend i think the score is 38 nil let's just keep that on, on on the quiet but i guess it gives you a few points to focus on when you come up against them again in the West Bowl, I'm going to put my predictions out there pretty early. Um, and I guess the West Bowl with you and the Vipers is a bit of a sore point, given that you came so close last year, losing by two in the last couple of minutes. I mean, that I can see the heartbreak on your face as we speak. But, you know, how are you – what are you going to coach on defence to, kind of, to kind of combat that, to make sure that you get that championship this year?
3: Yeah, I think um... – you know, that game was in question for a long time. It was 42 degrees on Saturday. So the game got pushed back. We didn't know full we playing, you know, yada, yada, yada. I'm very, very, very happy that we played that game. Um, I think from a Viper's point of, point of view, like they rolled 80, 38 points on us. So I feel like I have a pretty good insight into what they're going to do. I have film. I can study that. Um, we made some in-game adjustments in the second half, which benefit us benefited us um and we had a bit more success um it wasn't great success but we were stopping the run a lot more than we weren't um you know and they just ran really hurry up quick hurry up no huddle run the ball 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 Um, I think they threw the ball once and got a completion for a first down on fourth down so you know I think the biggest thing for us is we know what to expect the vipers are big the vipers are strong and the vipers are very physical um, football team unfortunately my entire defensive side weighs probably the same as like three of their players put together like i got some tiny 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 girls out there and you know what to their credit they're bloody fantastic up until the end of the game you know they were still trying to you know number four Adelaide who's just an absolute weapon um and she's running all over my 50 kilo girls but they're still putting their bodies on the line and and that was what I saw as such a positive out of the game we have so much to see and so much to grow on we haven't faced a no huddle team before um so you know my d-line has got to be faster they've got to be ready and that's probably our focus and what our key is going to be is just be faster just be quicker
1: You spoke earlier about having a pretty much entire rookie O-line. Do you find that you have a lot of turnover like that each season? So it makes it hard to build each year with so many rookies. Is that something that you guys experience over there? Because I know over here in um, DNSW, we have that same sort of issue with our teams as well.
3: Um, I've never had, we've never had it so predominant in a positional group before. Um, You know, you always get turnover, but, I think this season it was just where the turnover was that has affected us more. Um, you know, I had five really strong offensive linemen last year and I think I lost both of them to knee surgeries in the same game. Um, you know, and obviously they're not back this year. So it's just the fact that the turnover occurred in that sort of positional group. Whereas if you look all the way, like all around the field, um, majority there's veterans in those other slots so yeah it just I don't know it just so happened We're, our turnover I don't think is that large um I have seen it in other clubs and I guess my big thing is when somebody leaves or stops playing I always get to talk to them and we always leave on a on a really good um footing like you know if it's they've moved away or they're doing this or they're doing that they're going to have a baby whatever it might be it's always such a really good conversation to have, I think, and find out like the why of why they need to go and why they don't want to play football this season. I think it's perfectly valid. Um, people can't spend their life doing this. I mean, not everyone can spend their life doing this. <laughs> hey, we
4: definitely have lives outside of football, right? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> speak, speak,
2: Yeah, totally. Speak for yourself.
4: <laughs> I don't. Um, I think we all know that. I, um, Kelly, just one thing that just um, just in your comment there about basically an exit interview um, if people are leaving, but um, is uh, the structure and leadership that you are providing it just I don't know about the other girls but it just uh is really jumping out at me um are you finding that you're setting a standard in that in those I guess those nuances or that soft skill stuff with um because uh coaching and uh females playing it's different it's different than men's Um, I just wondered what your approach was there if it was uh purposeful or just comes naturally
3: Uh, Definitely purposeful. I think um, it has changed throughout my sort of personal development as well. Um, And like last season, I got a lot of like, we don't feel like we can come to you or we can't talk to you about this. And I had a lot of other coaches on my staff that would kind of get the information. Then that information wasn't relayed to me. And then I was in the week of the semifinals and it's like, oh, there's all these issues from... You know, round one that I'm just learning of now. So I think the biggest thing for me is like, you've got to be personable with your players. You've got to be able to have conversations, um, especially with a women's side. You know, we are different. And I preach that a lot to men like, you know, you have to coach them differently because we are different and it's just how we operate. And sometimes you need to have a conversation about their lives because that's what's important. And then you know, you can find how to help them perform through that. So I think, you know, through my own personal development, but also with, um, you know, when uh, Laura, who was on my coaching staff last season, um, is very big into that and has taught me a lot of that as well. And I think it's, it, it definitely is a value and you need to work at it. For me, it doesn't come easy because I just want to football and I don't really care about the rest or, I try not to care, but at the same time, I'm a super caring and empathetic person. So then when somebody wants to talk to me, I'm like, yeah, sit down. Like, I have currently two people living with me in my house that have played football with me or still do. And I've had a third that lived with me when she went through you know, some rough stuff. So like, it's just, I guess it flows everywhere and it all comes from football. And it's important to make sure that people understand that side of you as well, even if it's a tough exterior. I'm just,
0: Kelly, I'm keen to understand, like, obviously, you know, the, the Western Australian Women's League is really relatively in its infancy. Um, how are you guys going about getting women into the sport, like, brand new, and how are you kind of encouraging the young girls, you know, that will be our players for tomorrow? How are you encouraging them to get on board?
3: Great question. Um, I think... Um, I mean, I think early on, so when I was the women's director, like that was a big focus of ours. And I think, you know, as we got into the seasons, the reason I stepped down was because I couldn't fulfill that role. I couldn't do all those things and be the president of the Broncos and coach and play and yada, yada, yada. But I think, um, you know, we've definitely lost sight of having our eyes on that prize from a, from a league perspective. And I don't have the answer because it's not, I don't It's
2: not just a league perspective like it, it's it's across the country like there are yeah. very few young girls playing across the country but your league actually has a lot of them that are actually quite young that we've spoken about on the podcast before so I think I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's it's been lost sight of at all but I mean you know having young girls coming in underneath you uh, that's always a good thing
3: yeah it is, and I think like I don't know, oh, so like you know I have two underage girls I have um you know a sixteen and a fourteen year old one one is a daughter of a player, so like I guess that's an easy sort of one, and the other one, her brother actually came down to play football, and he didn't want to, so she ended up playing for our side um but I don't know how you get them I don't know where you pull them from like I've had such an issue trying to just get a junior boys side um and trying to convince them to come and I think it it's so niche it's so hidden from public view that people just don't know it exists and I think the key is like you're just going to talk about it at all times with everyone you know forever like that is my thing I'm like oh have you thought about playing American football I'm at a party with random people that you know, or you're I just walking down like this sh- cool. you're
2: driving down the street <laughs> and you
3: see someone with really yeah. big size and you go, "Hey, you, come play, play football. football." I you yeah. guys stalk
4: people too? Okay, great. Yeah. Athletes, yeah. you find an athlete every state.
3: <laughs> hey, you want to play football? So I don't know, you know, I don't know how you find them, but we do. I think word of mouth is your biggest bringer um, of people into the sport. I had, uh, like, I've got a group of uh, Viet girls in my team, and all came from soccer. And I just had one come and she came, she played her rookie season and uh, the next year she bought five. So that was six players all in one go. And, you know, they're still around now. And, and Fung, the original, she's a captain now um, and they just love it. So it, word of mouth I think is best. And to help word of mouth, you need your players to have a good experience. Um, so they have to enjoy what they're doing. You have to make football fun you know, we want to go out and win championships, but they've got to enjoy doing it. So you've got to have the right people doing the right things and making them, the experience enjoyable. And that's how you grow it. I think personally. Yeah. I kind of have struggled a lot this season, I guess, with, with what I know versus what I can teach. And, um, it's kind of gets real hard when you're a little bit banging your head against the brick wall to keep going. Um, so, I think a break is in order for Kelly Hopkins, and we'll see what happens after that
2: hey look i I completely appreciate that, and, and you know all of us you know on the panel have you know had our head and that brick wall you know multiple 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 times so i I feel where you're coming from with that but Back to the Broncos, I mean, you guys aren't new to this and and talking about this season, you guys aren't new to the playoff picture. You've appeared in three West Bowls, winning one in 2019, I think it was. Um, So, panel, let's get a prediction for the Broncos this year. Are we going to see the Broncos finally raise that trophy again? Christy, thoughts?
4: I really, you know know me, I'm so not intense. Intense. I love the tunnel vision Kelly has. We have one team and we want to beat them. And, um, look, uh, I'm good friends with Kelly. I'm good friends with Cubis. But uh, I'm liking what Kelly is saying. I'm, I'm I'm backing them.
2: Nat, where are you sitting? you sitting on the fence?
0: Uh, nah, I'm taking the Broncos for sure. That uh, defensive line has me nervous. So, um, yeah, nah, Broncos for sure.
2: Beck, surely. Julie, you got to give me another option here, or we're just going straight
1: out Broncos for the win. Listening to this podcast and having Kelly on as a guest, I mean, she has all the skills. It sounds like she has the plans, she prepares, you know, she talks to her players about who they're coming up against. But also, by the sounds of it, this Broncos team is not an easy team to come up against. Like you said, they're big, they're tough, they're strong, they're hard-hitting. And I don't know if your defense, by the sounds of it and the size of them, are going to match up to such a heavy running. Like, it's so hard to stop a a strong, heavy run game. But if you can do that, if you can plan and prepare your defense to stop that, you definitely have a chance. But I think I'm going to back the Vipers. Sorry. Oh, All
2: right. All right. I like this. I like where this is going. All right. My prediction is that it's going to come down to the final minutes. And, again, I mean... I'm going to go to the Broncos just because I think that you guys have actually put in the work and I think losing this weekend has actually done you guys a world of good. Having gone, you know, nine and one now on the season, you know, you've got everything in your arsenal and I think the playoffs is a completely different picture. Um, so that's where I think you guys are going. So I want to round this out episode out tonight, you guys, with some rapid fire. Let's get straight into it
3: and hey, we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things
2: what you
0: need to know tonight sincere apologies to matt damon we ran out of time for him tonight we'll get him on the air again soon all so okay, me.
2: We're oh my boss is singing closing time maybe that's what you need. all right tonight this round uh, of rapid fire is i wanted to cast a light on some of the other clubs around the country i want to know is if there was a National Club Championship um, event where two teams around the country were to play each other, who would you like to see play against each other? And guys, hit us up in the comments on um, on socials. I want to hear what you guys think. Personally, I would love to see the Northern Sydney Rebels come up against the Bayside Ravens purple on purple Champs be champs. I think the hard-hitting nature of the Rebels would be great to see against the likes of Hugh moran and the receiving skills of Outback rep Cody Fuller. Who would win? I'm not sure. The Rebels are tough and rough in the trenches and quarterback Nikki Morley has an arm that has is capable of a 50-yard bomb. Whereas the finesse of the Ravens offense with Moran and Chrissy Torres and adding in Cody Fuller makes them a really well-rounded offense. And I feel it could really come down to a defensive battle, which would be such a great, you know, game to watch. Christy, what are your two teams? What do you got?
4: Well, that summary just makes me want to play. Let's go tomorrow um, as a Bayside Ravens player. Um, But I I was actually reminiscing about um, 2014, which was our second year of GQ League, where we had an all-stars Queensland team versus the Foxes in Victoria. And because uh, we we actually, Queensland and Victoria, Victoria haven't had a lot of competition because um, Victoria wasn't always part of GA. So I would love obviously either uh, our our dominant teams here at the moment, are either Bayside Ravens or the Thunder up against um, one of the uh, Victoria team, whether it's Croydon Rangers or uh, the Lady Raiders. Um, But I would like to see a bit of a Queensland team versus a Vic team.
2: I mean, there's only so many times that you can beat New South Wales 50 something nil, So (laughs) I I, I like the sound of
1: that. (laughs) We got better, we got better. it's okay. Beck, what are your two teams who you got? Speaking of Raiders, I'm going with uh, UNSW Raiders against the Perth Broncos. I think both these teams, both these teams have some weapons on their offense. They um have great coaches that coach both these teams. We've seen some great things out of both of their head coaches. Um, And the history behind the clubs as well. I mean, they're clubs that have been around for a very long time, have, you know, a lot of vets in there as well. So I think the experience and the depth in their playbook that they can come up against each other, I think will be quite fun and interesting to watch. It'll be a good game. I think
2: uh, like going on with that one too, I think the defence on both of those teams too will will
1: make it a really good game as well. It'll be a battle on both sides of the ball. I think it won't just be a heavily dominated offence or defence. I think both sides of the ball will battle it out.
3: I've
0: changed, I've actually changed my mind, like I, yeah, I've
1: I've changed it now, so
0: look, I think, um, for me, I think I'm going to have to go uh, Rangers, and I'd actually like to see them go up against uh, the Broncos, Um, I actually think both teams would probably go into their games really well, like well-prepared, well-drilled, quite disciplined teams, Um, and uh, obviously being in the trenches, I'm a sucker for a good run game, and I think both sides of the ball wouldn't disappoint on that, so uh, I'd be really keen for that game.
2: And, Kelly, it seems like the entire country just wants to play you. So, I mean, who, who, do you, who do you want to play against is the question.
3: I'm okay with that. Bring it, everyone. Come at us. Uh, so my pick would be Broncos versus uh, the Ravens, and that's just a little bit of a personal pick. Uh, Kay and I started, well, I started playing with Kay, so I'd love to see her on the field wearing opposite colours and, and show her that she can't dance around me.
4: So <laughs> I miss you too, uh, Kel.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, so that'd be my pick. Yeah, nice. And there you have it, guys. Hit us, hit us
2: up on the socials. I want to know which two teams you want to see come against each other. It can be from any era, any era. There's been eras where there's been more dominant. I mean, Stingrays were really dominant for a long time. The Lady Raiders are definitely dominant down in Victoria. Uh, you know, give the clubs a shout out. Let's let's get some imaginary sort of you know brackets happening and see if we can get something up and running where these two clubs can battle it out and i think it'd be a good one but there you have it guys it's another episode done and dusted thanks very much kelly hopkins for joining us on the podcast and and i think we're gonna have to do another episode with you because i think feel like there's so much more that we could talk about and i feel like we could all just talk football for hours which is actually kind of fun but do us a favor guys hit us up with a five on the spotify reviews download the episode Give us a share with family and friends and we are going to be back next week for another episode of the Women in Gridiron show.
0: You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated